Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beauty and the Geest, the podcast where we watch bad movies so that you don't have to. And, uh, one of your two illustrious co-hosts, Pat de Geest, along with the beauty. I guess by order of elimination, that makes me the beauty. Yes. If you're the de Geest of Beauty and de Geest, since you're not doing this solo today, that makes me the beauty. You're the only one left. And uh, <laughs> this week on uh, Beauty and the Geest, we watched The Mutilator from 1984. And uh, I say much like The Mutilator, we get into the action immediately. <laughs> yes, there is uh, no doubt that this uh, definitely started off with a bang, literally. <laughs> oh, uh, but uh, hopefully we don't have the lull that the mutilator also suffered from. Um, but we will get started immediately. Uh, the The movie opens up with a young kid, apparently uh, for his dad's birthday, decides to clean his dad's rifle. So he puts up a sign that says, you know, happy birthday. These were all cleaned by me. And he doesn't follow the number one rule of gun safety. He does not check to see if the gun is loaded when he starts to handle it. <laughs> he so, also looks right down the barrel at yes. one point. <laughs> yes, he, he, he's he's wiping it down, pretending to clean, you know, cleaning the gun and everything. Decides he's going to look right down the barrel. And then playfully points it at the wall. And pulls the trigger, which, of course, what he doesn't realize is that the gun is loaded. And it goes through the wall and hits his mom, who is making his dad's birthday cake in the kitchen. Yep, she drops dead instantly. Yes. (laughs) 90 seconds in. First death, 90 seconds in. I checked the clock. That's got to be a record, at least for stuff we've watched, right? Oh, that is definitely a record for stuff that we've watched. I mean, I think that even beats pretty much the record for, like, Jurassic Park or anything like that. Yes, yes. 90 seconds is a quick first death. So You barely uh, even get the opening credits out of the way before somebody dies. Right. And then uh, shortly after uh, mom gets shot, drops dead, dad comes home, uh, finds his wife dead on the floor, you know... How would you react in this situation? I bet it's not how this kid's dad reacted. <laughs> you might help your wife. You might check her pulse. You might try to stop the bleeding. Uh, you might try to call 911. Nope. <laughs> not dad. <laughs> just just drag her into the den and break out the bottle of scotch. Yep. He, uh, he slaps his kid in the face. The kid runs and hides. Then uh, dad drags mom's dead body into his den Opens his, his bottle of scotch, pours himself a drink, pours his wife a drink, like mimics pouring it into her mouth as she's sitting there dead, as uh, as his boy watches from his hiding place. That's the opening few minutes of this movie. That shows the ride that we are in for for this. Right, right. Which is, uh, you know I appreciate death early and often in my B-horror movies, so... So this had me uh, a little optimistic. I would be let down later on. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, then, yeah, you go through and it shows um, you flash forward to however many years, probably about 
15 years later. Yeah, um, the, the son is a college student now. Who looks like he's 40. As as is the, the trend. <laughs> yes. In Hollywood. Yes, this guy looks like he's 40, but is pretending to be a college student, maybe even barely old enough to drink. Uh, they're sitting at the bar to talking about what they're going to do for fall break. Fall breaks, I guess, a big thing. I had never heard of it till this movie. Spring I, break is what uh, college kids normally celebrate. I had I had never heard of it until this movie as well. And I had one of my friends over watching this movie as well. And he actually thought that that was the title of the movie after they get done with the bar scene. And it kicks into the opening theme of the movie called Fall Break. Yeah, it's such a weird beginning because it's it starts off child killing his mom in 90 seconds, cuts to like six college friends planning what they're going to do for fall break. Then it goes into the fall break theme song, which is almost like a theme song from like an 80s sitcom movie, like Silver Spoons or. Yeah, it was almost <laughs> like the opening scene. It was almost like the opening theme of Full House. Yeah, like who's the boss? Yeah, like it was just a classic 80s. And it's like we're going on a fall break, fall break. And they're like cruising their uh, their their convertible down the street. <laughs> their, their boat of a convertible. Oh, yeah, and we forget how they get there. While they're drinking and you know, lamenting the, the fact that they have no fall break fa- uh, plans, we found out Ed Jr., that's the uh, the young boy who shot his mom, Ed Jr. is at the bar drinking. His dad calls up and says, hey, can you close down my, my summer condo for the winter? <laughs> can you spend it, your fall break cleaning up my mess and getting my shit ready for winter? Yeah, and Ed's just annoyed by that he's bitching like yeah you go do it yourself dad and then while he's on the phone with his dad his friends are like uh you know wasn't his dad dead and like no that was his mom he accidentally shot him when he was a kid (laughs) yes yeah like apparently not everybody knows that this guy accidentally killed his own mother which then you get introduced to uh was it ralph who was the annoying guy yeah, about the lamest cast of, uh, I guess, equally main characters that I've ever encountered. Definitely had some uh, typical college student names going on here. I mean, you had Ed Jr., Pam, Ralph, Linda, Mike, and Sue. Yeah, three couples. And uh, because they have no better plans, they're going to go up to uh, to Ed's dad's condo for fall break. And uh, just get drunk and party. Which there was only five of them at the bar because Sue apparently was not there. Yeah. Uh, so it was just Ed Jr., Pam, Ralph, Linda, and Mike that were there making the plans to go to the condo. Then it cuts to the next morning of them, of Ed Jr. in his ratty ass jalopy of a car picking up uh, Ralph and Sue. At from her dorm, which Ralph comes out and says, "Oh, they can't go." Blah 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 because Sue's got to study because she's a fool. And then Sue comes out and they say, "Oh, sorry, you can't go." And she's like, "What are you talking about? Of course I'm going to go." Ralph's just an idiot because he's trying to be funny when he's not. 
And that's a concept they beat into the ground in this movie. Like, what, what kind of wacky bunch of pranksters these six college kids are. And they end up just coming across as the most intolerable group of friends I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. So, of course, for some more foreshadowing there, they load up the car. Nobody brings actually any luggage or anything like that. They're supposed to be going out there for four days. And there is zero luggage being brought with. Um, like, even when Ralph and Sue come out of Sue's dorm room, they're not carrying any bags whatsoever. So they're apparently going to be there either for one night or they're just going to wear the same grubby-ass clothes for four days. Yeah, legit. They All they have is a cooler of beer. And even more foreshadowing, too, of course, Ed Jr.'s car won't start when they're trying to take off. Yeah, it needs uh, needs some finagling to get his car to start. Again, just classic, classic horror trope around this era. Yes. So they go out there and they're on their way out to the condo to go lock it up for the winter. And they have to stop at some point to, for a convenience store. Ralph, being the intolerable asshole that he is, goes in and says that uh, there's a sign that says senior citizen discount 10%. And Ralph says that that's discriminating against him for being young. So if the barkeep will uh, match the 10% discount, he will buy a second six-pack of beer, which I don't know what kind of college students these are, but if you're only buying one six-pack of beer for <laughs> right, six people, right. uh, your friends are going to be sadly disappointed in you, and they're going to yep. be equally disappointed in you when you only buy two six-packs of beer. <laughs> for the for the whole weekend. <laughs> or maybe so, a week. I imagine fall break is like spring break, right? It's probably like a week long. <laughs> well, they, they said it was four days. Okay. So they were, they were like leaving on a Thursday morning and going to plan to go head back on Sunday night. So they were going to be out there for three nights, it sounds like. And the acting by this shopkeeper and Ralph is so stale that it... It was so, so bad. So after <laughs> Ralph decides he's going to buy his second six-pack of beer, then they cut back to the shopkeeper and his wife. And this was even worse acting than what Ralph managed to muster. Yeah. Because they weren't... they the, the wife was having a conversation looking at the camera when her supposed husband, the shopkeeper, is looking at her. And... Like, it was just, like, the most awkward, like, side-facing conversation. Because the shopkeeper is looking straight ahead, and the wife is, like, standing in front of him, but almost looking directly into the camera. Yes. It was super awkward and terrible conversation. And she's like, oh, did you get another one of those college students that talked himself into buying a second six-pack of beer to get the discount? Yeah. <laughs> and that that's literally everybody in this movie. This is uh as a cast as a whole, perhaps the worst acting I've ever encountered for so many people. Yes. Yes. And I did look on there I I pulled up at least the uh the six college friends. I looked at their uh their IMDb 
IMDB pages individually. And every one of them has like one to four credits. So so none of them made a career for this. Uh, except for Matt Mittler. He was he played the main guy, Ed Jr. He he somehow has been in, I don't know, it looks like 25 shows or something, 30 credits. And he he is he is just as bad as everybody else, maybe worse. Like nobody in this entire show can act. Yeah. So as they continue on, of course, we're gonna we're gonna continue on here because we don't want this to turn into uh right. <laughs> we don't want this to get into Bigfoot's bride territory. But they pull up to the condo and they see that the doors are open. The the front the front door is open. And they're like, Well, we thought your dad called you and said he needed you to lock up. There's you know, what's the door doing open? And they're kind of freaked out, and they go in, and the place is just a mess. There's just nothing but liquor bottles everywhere. It yep. looks like, it looks like they just broke up a high school party. Yes, and they, uh, they, they're debating if they should call the cops or not. And Ed Junior does not want to. He doesn't want that kind of hassle. So then they start looking around the place, and they get into uh, Big Ed. I guess we'll call him. They call him Big Ed at some point. He's Ed Junior's dad. It's like a big hunter. They go into his taxidermy room where he's got fish and deer mounted on the wall. Also, for some reason, he's got a framed photograph of a man he ran over with his speedboat. (laughs) His friends find it. They're like, what happened to this guy? And Ed Jr. is like, oh, yeah, he's dead. My dad ran him over with a speedboat. And it's like a framed picture on his desk. Yeah, and he's got some South American mask that's there, some South American rain mask, and a sinker that he threw through the wall. He just taped a photo frame, like a a picture frame, around the sinker that he threw through through the wall, which it is a pyramid sinker. It's meant for ocean fishing. It's, you know, so they are heavy. They will bury themselves in the sand. So they are they are sharp, and why you would leave that in the wall and put a picture frame around it though is beyond my comprehension. I guess but, they're foreshadowing Dad's mental state, but uh, like they do another part where uh, he's got some hooks or mounts in the wall with nothing in them, and they're like the friends like what went here, and Ed Junior's like oh that. That was my my dad's favorite axe. <laughs> yeah, it was that was my dad's favorite artifact that he collected, his battle axe. He has just have a favorite axe. That's where he's it got went. A, he's got a swordfish hanging on the wall, and then he's got a giant fishing gaff hanging from it. And that's where you see the cover art. Is <laughs> yes. the, is the, the giant fishing gaff. Which that comes into play a little bit later on in a very disgusting kind of way. And what <laughs> And when you, uh, while they're exploring the, you know, dad's taxidermy room or whatever, they uh, they do cut to Big Ed, Ed Sr. He's just sleeping with his battle axe, like in the garage, in a closet in the garage. And he's he's literally dreaming of killing his son. Yes, yes. Multiple ways of him killing his son. You don't know at this point that it is Big Ed, though. No, that's true. You could you, you that that is pure assumption at this point. Uh, they do show a guy sitting there with the battle axe. He, Spoiler alert! <laughs> put 
again, yes. And, and and here's here's the thing that I don't understand too, because then they go out and they're actually going through and exploring the garage. And they don't find what is what turns out to be big ed at all or anything like that. But they're there to close up the condo for the weekend. And they open the garage, find nothing of use in there. But then they do nothing but leave the garage open the entire time. Yes. They're not very good stewards of uh, Big Ed's condo. They're here to close it up, so let's just open everything and leave it open. And and that would probably have solved a lot of the issues that happened in this movie. Yes. Because <laughs> Big, Big Ed just literally sleeps in the closet during the day. <laughs> In the gar- there's a garage closet. He sleeps there in the day. Then he comes out and murders people at night. <laughs> so yeah, at, at this point, yeah, they're getting to the point where they're getting ready to wind up for the night. Whatever they're making their food, drinking beers, hooting and hollering, doing whatever. Yeah, they're ha- they they're doing wacky things like untying each other's shoes, playing with whoopee cushions. Not really, but he probably would. Ralph would. Pro- Ralph probably carried a whoopee cushion with him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They 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 play into that, but there's such bad uh, characterizations of of wacky college kids. It's almost annoying. Like I literally had to pause this about every 15 minutes and just stop watching because I hated <laughs> I hated the six friends so much. <laughs> but whatever. So, two of the friends. Uh, it would have been Mike and whoever his girlfriend was. Linda, Mike and Linda. I wrote it all down because they're okay. yes, that is right. Yes, Mike and Linda, and uh, it was uh, Ed Junior and Pam were a couple, I believe, right? And then Sue and Ralph. Correct. All Correct. Right. So Mike and Linda decide that they're gonna go off and do something by themselves, while Ed and Pam and Mike, Ralph and Sue take a walk on the beach and they come across a pool that just somebody's pool and they go for a dip they go for they go for some skinny dipping action going on um and linda is just kind of floating in the water letting it all hang out when you see big ed apparently come out of nowhere because he drags her under the water and that's the last you see of Linda. And it's is, so ridiculous. Is her they're getting s- thrown they're... over Big Ed's shoulders and carried yeah. off along with their clothes. So, which somehow, whatever. Again, we've talked about continuity control. Somehow Mike has literally no idea. He's swimming with just his girlfriend. They're kind of like taking turns going underwater. Uh, yes, they're they're not. It's not like they're swimming in the ocean where it would be might actually be difficult to notice if somebody disappears or goes under yes. or not. You know, is no longer splashing around. But because the lights go out when they're swimming in this outdoor pool, because Big Ed turns off the outdoor lights. Mike apparently is completely lost as far as what goes on. So I don't know if Mike was just blind. Has no damn idea. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean. He has no damn idea that another man enters the pool 
grabs his girlfriend by the head, apparently drowns her. They're not super clear on that, but like pulls her underwater. I would guess drowns her and then exits the pool carrying her body. And Mike's just like kind of floating around. <laughs> yes. They wrote, no... they wrote a movie in the seventies about a deaf, dumb and blind kid. So a guy who couldn't see, couldn't hear and couldn't speak, but was a pinball wizard. But Mike has none of those afflictions and can't notice his girlfriend get drowned and dragged out of a pool. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, she gets carried out. Uh, Big Ed also grabs her clothes or all of their clothes and kind of like leaves a bread crumb trail of clothes. Back to the um, garage. Leading back to the garage, the deadly garage. And so Which, Mike. Now, yeah, Mike is. Coming along, find, walking along the breadcrumb trail of clothes, putting his clothes back on as he uh, is finding them, then finds her panties right outside the garage. Is like, oh, hey, I see what you want in here. So he like prances into the garage, willingly looking for Linda because they're apparently going to go get it on in the garage. When Big Ed steps out with the outboard motor, and hacks Mike to bits with the with the outboard motor, which was probably my favorite death in the movie <laughs> as far as creativity goes. The acting was extremely lacking. Oh, yes. Which, I mean, again, as we've said for um, the last 20 minutes that we've been talking about this movie, that's a pretty common uh, theme for... This, it was lacking... Uh, for every character in every scene of this movie. But uh, yeah, it was just in bad in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Big Ed jumps out with the outboard, like rakes it across Mike's chest. Uh, I kind of like Gore. It was okay. Like he had some big slice marks in his chest. It, it looks like he lost some fingers in that. So, you know, it's, it's, it was yes. all right. Yeah. It was, a, it was a funny scene to watch a guy get attacked with an outboard motor. <laughs> But if he got attacked with an outboard motor like that, he would still have a... Ch I mean, like, that wouldn't, like, instantly paralyze you and, and you wouldn't just stand there with the motor, with the propeller of the motor just continuously, like, grinding through <laughs> your insides. Right. You'd be able to get, you know, you'd be able to get away. Right, even when they showed him. Like, his injuries didn't look that bad. He had, like, some, like, one-inch cuts in his chest and, like, was missing a couple fingers. Like, at that point, you turn and run. <laughs> and he just kneels down and slumps over dead. Yep. And, and of I course, believe... it was convenient. It was... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, was saying, I believe then Big Ed decides to uh, remove the head with the battle axe. I think that that was one of his favorite moves. It's and, his favorite battle axe. And, and, well, I mean, I can't blame him. It looked like a pretty sweet battle axe, but... He removes the head and puts it on one of the hooks that are in the garage there that they had noticed earlier and were kind of curious as far as what they were for. And it seemed like they were for cleaning fish. Well, now they're for holding your heads. It was, yeah, also some great foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, they looked in the other closet and they're like, why are these hooks so, so sharp? Like, I don't know, it's for hanging nets or cleaning fish. And they're like, okay. But really it's for uh, Big Ed's head collection. His new trophy collection. Yes. And at this point, uh, the other four, Ed and Sue and Ralph and Pam, do not know what's going on with Mike and Linda. They haven't heard anything. They didn't hear the motor 
or anything like that. They're out on the beach walking, and uh, the cop, whose just name is Cop, played by Ben Moore, yes, um, sneaks up and catches them uh, as they're walking along the beach. And kind of like, oh, well, there's weird people out here. You guys, are, what are you guys doing here? And basically gives them the, the whole cop third degree about what they're doing and be, you know, be careful, watch out for all these people. And um, again, I believe he also says something too about there's a maniac running loose, kind of like Bigfoot's bride. Yes. And, and, and the friends, the friends tell him too, they're like, you know what? We're concerned maybe our place is broken into and blah, 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 blah. And the cops is like, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm not going to report it unless you tell me to, though. <laughs> yeah. And Ed Jr. is like, okay, you know, maybe tomorrow. But the cop does, again, get an inkling to go take a look around the house. So he walks back to the home while the friends are still on the beach. And uh, Big Ed, who uh, apparently is just a just an old drunk, but he's a sneaky old drunk. Gets the drop on the cop, uh, shoves just a piece of wood through his face. <laughs> yes, and as he's sitting there, yeah, it's like a like a picket from a picket fence. Yeah, yeah. Just stabs him in the face with that, and then hacks his head off with the battle axe. Yeah, yeah. The cop goes to his knees. He's like kind of screaming in pain, and then Big Ed decapitates him with his his favorite axe. Uh, and then drags the cop's head and body into his uh, little trophy room in the garage, hangs it up next to uh, Mike and Linda. And again, the cop screams, and the other four hear nothing. They aren't that far from the house, right? But they heard nothing. Right. There's yeah. No, they, you just cut a guy's head off. There's no blood. There's nothing there. Right, they didn't hear the screams or the outboard motor earlier. They're just walking on the beach. There's zero inkling of of anything going on with this, which, again, is typical 80s horror movie where nobody quite knows that other people are being killed. They have suspicions of why they can't find them, but there's no proof that anybody else has been killed. Right, so they they eventually quit looking, go back to the house. Um, well, they, yeah, they just went back to the house because they were they were ready to finish their monopoly game. Yes, <laughs> what a wild fall break party! <laughs> hey, let's and, get back and finish monopoly. Hey guys, let's each have two beers and play a game of monopoly at my dad's condo for a fall break. Let's yeah. call that a party. Right, right. Not that we were badasses back in the day playing Magic the Gathering, but like. They're they're just trying to get laid. Uh, all the guys are failing at that, so instead they play Monopoly. <laughs> That's their fall break party. I mean, granted, they at least had girls there. True. We never we never even had girls there. <laughs> <laughs> Which meant we never failed at uh, getting laid. That is true. Like that they true. they were they were zero for three. You can't fail if you don't try. Yeah. So uh, they do. They do. I guess get bored of their game of Monopoly. Decide well, I think, to. I think there was a couple of people that had already been eliminated, which means they had already played a lot. Sure. Of Monopoly to have people actually be out of the game already, because 
they didn't want to they wanted something where everybody was involved so they decide they're going to play blind man's bluff instead which, which i had never played back in the day but i had never heard of either uh so i i i was catching that explanation from them as to as far as how the game goes if you have never played it um everybody goes outside except for one person and all of the lights get turned off in the house the people that go outside sit out there and drink a beer while the other person goes and hides somewhere in the house and then everybody else once they're done drinking their beer or think they've given enough time for somebody to hide they stumble around in the dark trying to find the person who has hidden and as they do they hide with that person as well until there's one person left uh that is looking for the the rest of the people that were hiding yeah it's a a very quiet game you just fumble around silently looking for the person who is uh it first or in a place that's super well lit. This this was probably the best acting that there was in this movie. Because <laughs> they weren't speaking? <laughs> when when they were fumbling around in the house, uh, that was supposed to be dark, but was lit up, that you could definitely tell there was still plenty of light going on in there, so you could actually see what was going on. Yeah. You had to pretend which, it was dark. You had to uh, suspend your, uh, your disbelief for this which, scene, for sure. I mean, you had to suspend your disbelief for everything going on with this movie. But again, this was, like I said, was probably the most quality acting scene in this movie. <laughs> and it's also a serial killer's like wet dream, right? Like, OK, yeah. let's uh, let's turn off the lights. Uh, so in theory, no one can see anything. And just let's just sneak around the house quietly. Yes, Which, we're, we're going to have one person hiding and everybody else is going to be stumbling around the house trying to find the one person that's hiding. Which actually, I believe Big Ed does enter the house at this point. <laughs> Again. This is how he, dumb this movie is. He <laughs> emerges from his garage closet hiding place. Yes. And enters the house, but is not able to find anyone Stumbling around in the dark in his own condo. Right. This is this should be the perfect time for a serial killer to just like grab someone from behind, you know, slit their throat, whatever. No, like Sue's hiding. She just like sits on the kitchen table. Uh, her friends, a couple of her friends eventually find her sitting on the kitchen table. Uh, Big Ed, he does enter the house. It looks like he's about to, uh, I don't know. Was it a crowbar he had or a tire iron? <laughs> I think it's when he well no he didn't he didn't have the gaff. Yeah, he had some he had some sort of weapon that was a blunt object. It was not anything sharp. It looked like he point. was about to beat Ed Jr to death with like it looked like a tire and iron to me. But Ed Jr instead uh goes to the fridge for a beer knowing the, the, that yeah, knowing that the other three are two people are hiding under the table and uh Sue, I believe, is sitting on top of the table, hiding behind the cooler. Pam was the first one to find her, and then Ralph found her, and and Ed Jr. was the last one to find her. And 
Ed Jr. doesn't even really find her. He just basically goes over to the fridge and is, opens it up and asks if anybody else wants a beer. And, of course, everybody does. So, again, there goes eight of their 12 beers now. That's if they didn't have any when Mike and Linda were still alive. Yeah, during Monopoly or uh, pool time. Yeah, and, and then Big Ed just leaves. Like, once the light from the fridge... Uh, illuminates the place. He's like, well, I can't kill anybody now. So he just leaves, goes back to uh, his garage closet. Yeah. And at this point, everybody decides it's time to go to bed. They're all tired. They had a long day of a long, exciting day of a walk on the beach and Monopoly and yeah, fall blind break. man's bluff and fall break. You know, <laughs> they've had, they've had two beers. So, I mean, of course you got to be exhausted and ready for bed for that. Which Ralph and Ralph and Sue Ralph go and Sue go go to their room, and then Pam and Ed Junior go to their room, and Ralph is kind of looking like he's gonna get it on with Sue, and she's just like you know, hey, um, or no, Ralph is Ralph and Pam. No, it's right? uh, yeah, it's Ralph, Ralph and Sue. Ralph and Sue. All right. So, yeah, Ralph and Sue look like they're going to maybe, maybe get get a little something going on. Finally. And Ed and Pam are just like, Pam's just like, "Ah, no, I told you I'm not sleeping with you. Don't even think about even taking off your shirt. They haven't got all the way yet, and she makes it clear it ain't going to happen on this trip. That's right. Not at fall break. Nope, fall break is too, maybe spring break, but not fall break. Correct. So, but then Sue kind of stops Ralph with what he's doing and says, "Hey, you know, uh, did you lock up?" And Ralph's like, "Well, no, we're the only ones on this island. Why would I lock up?" And she's just, "Well, well it'll make me feel better, and then I'll show you something." And he gets dressed faster than the Flash. <laughs> The promise of some titties. Uh, Ralph is going to go. He's going to go lock up and uh, see if he can find Mike and Linda. It's very motivating. Yes, he is definitely uh, treat motivated. You could say as as they as they talk about with with animals. Yes, um, positive reinforcement. So yeah, Ralph goes around outside and he's just oh, well, you know. He's whispering, kind of whisper yelling for Mike and Linda. Then he's like, well, why am I whispering? We're the only ones here. But and he's outside now. the garage where all the action seems to happen. Yes. Whispering, hey, Mike, Linda, we're going to bed. Yeah. If you're not here, you're going to get locked out. And then he finds some panties uh, dangling from the garage closet door. Of course, Assumes they're getting it on inside the uh, the closet there. So what do you do when your buddies are getting it on in the closet? You gotta you gotta mess with them a little bit, right? Uh, I just figured you'd play next by two or too close by next multiple times in a row. Or that, I, I, so that's <laughs> that counts as messing with people. Well, in my right, book. but I mean you, you don't you don't barge in the room on them. No. Well, he starts throw. He first he throws a uh, one of those pyramid shaped triangle-shaped uh, weights for fishing, throws it in the door. That doesn't elicit them to come out, or what he assumes is them inside to come out. So then he's like, all right, 
I'm going to nail this door shut, you guys. And he's like holding a nail at the door. And he's like, oh, that's not funny. <laughs> so he opens the door, uh, gets stabbed in a, it's not a trident because it has, has five prongs, but it's a five pronged trident. Is that it's a, a thing? It's a, it's a pitchfork. It's okay. It's a pitchfork. It's just stabbed like, in the neck by a pitchfork. Yeah, it's, it's like a it's like a garden style pitchfork that yeah basically gets stabbed in the throat. <laughs> and that's the end of Ralph, who was maybe the most annoying character. So I welcomed Ralph's death. It. I would have preferred Ralph to go first. Yes, agreed, agreed. But he's he gets added to to Big Ed's uh, collection of dead people. Yes. And you see, actually, Big Ed actually breaks off the handle of the pitchfork um, as he is, like, picking Ralph up off the ground, the the handle of the pitchfork snaps. Whether that was on purpose or not, uh, that could have just been part of the prop that actually just broke. Right. But then you cut back into Sue, who is kind of wondering where the hell Ralph is. Yeah, Ralph never comes back. And well, actually, you cut to uh, you cut to Ed and Pam, and Pam hears kind of hears some commotion, and she tries to wake Ed Junior up, and he just completely ignores her. Like it's like he it's like he's just like dead weight, dead asleep. You would think that he's actually dead. Yes. Then you cut to Sue, and she's kind of trying to figure out where the hell Ralph is, and then. Sue gets up and goes over to Pam and Ed Jr.'s room, like knocks on the door and is like, hey, have you guys seen Ralph or Mike or Linda? And they're like, no. She's like, well, Ralph went outside to go try and find them and to lock up, but he hasn't come back yet. We need to go find him. And Ed Jr.'s just like, I'm sleeping, sleeping, sleeping. And finally, Pam like yells at him to wake him up. And he, find, he agrees that they'll go look for him. And Pam and Ed Jr. are fully clothed. And Sue is basically running around in a see-through... <laughs> a nighty <laughs> Night shirt. And they're like, oh, well... We'll go, you know, we'll drive over to the to the mainland and talk to the cops. Sue, go get dressed. So she goes up there and she changes clothes. She comes back down. They go out, of course. We'll make we'll make one last trip around the house to look for him. You two, Ed says, we'll make one last trip. I'll go this way. You two go that way. And Pam's like, I, I, I'm staying with you. And Sue's like, shit, bitch, I ain't afraid of this shit. I'll go this way. You two go that way. The classic, let's split up. We'll cover yes. more ground. <laughs> yep. Always works in horror movies. Yes. So then, of course, Sue happens to run into Big Ed. who Killed, has... killed seconds after they split up. Like, she literally turns the corner and is grabbed by Big Ed. <laughs> yes. Who has now grabbed the gaff. Yes. He, he drags and, her into the uh, garage, which is one of the, the greatest scenes in this film coming up. And, and yeah, at some point he has gone into the his trophy room inside the house. And oh, that's right, because after they come out of the house, because they went out the front door, they look and see that, that the balcony door is now open because Big Ed has gone into the house 
and grabbed the gaff from his trophy room. And yeah, and so grabs- for for listeners who don't know, a gaff is that's the big giant hook they use on uh, like ocean fishing boats, where you just reach down, claw that thing into the side of like a big marlin, so that you can help hoist it onto your fishing boat. That is a gaff. It's a giant ass fishing hook on a yes. stick. Yes, it is a it is a pretty big fishing hook, and they show it. And there's earlier. a reason. And there's a reason we're explaining this. <laughs> yes, because Big Ed grabs Sue, drags her in again. Ed Junior and Pam are not that far away, but they don't hear him like dragging her. Like you could hear. His footsteps as he's following Sue on the movie, but she yes. couldn't hear them in the movie. Again, they're just walking around the outside of the house. So, like, Sue goes to the left side and walks around the corner. Uh, Ed Jr. and Pam go to the right side of the house and walk around the corner. That's how far that way they are. Like, probably 20 feet <laughs> around yes. a corner at this point. Yes, and you can hear the gravel crunching under Big Ed's footsteps on the audio of the film. But yet, Pam, or Sue, actually, Sue in the movie, could not hear somebody walking up behind her, grabs her, drags her into the garage, just like arm swipes everything off of the counter in the garage, which made a ton of noise. There's zero reason why Ed Jr. and Pam could not have heard that. Throws her up on the counter and... Uh, normally a gaff is used to catch fish. Well, this was put in a place that was, uh, not used to catch fish, <laughs> but, uh, he, yeah, he, he, he crotches her with, yeah. with the gaff. He inserts the gaff, uh, through her crotch mouth and then out her stomach. Yes. Like you do. I mean, hey, you know, you got you got a feisty one, you know, you got you got one of them feisty fish that's there. Yeah, you got to gaff them. Right. It's like you. It's kind of like how you hook a minnow when you're fishing. Uh, same way you hook a uh, 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 <laughs> right in the labia is where he goes for. <laughs> if anybody doesn't understand at this point, <laughs> and then she she never screams at all. That was yes. That was that was a uterine gaff right there. Yes. There's there's no easy way to describe that scene without using medical terms. We want people to know. Yes, we have now ruined your imaginations with the the imagery from this film. Yeah, and uh, Sue never screams at that. Uh, she just kind of like stares at it in shock. And uh, then Big Ed grabs his uh, tusty, trusty favorite axe and decapitates her. Yep, off with their head. So there are only three left. It's uh, Ed Jr., Pam, and and Big Ed. Big Ed the Killer are all that's left. At at this point, I believe they come back around from searching their side of the house now. They're looking for Sue, and they see something in the garage. Uh, I think they actually see the, the, the headless corpse of sue on the garage bench and uh they try to get out of 
the they they try to get out of out of the place. They're trying they're trying to drive away, and here comes the foreshadowing part that they showed earlier. The car <laughs> won't start. Well, but before they get there, they had just the worst like fight scene. Like they're they're hiding in the garage as Big Ed is returning, and for whatever reason, Ed Junior locks Pam in a closet and grabs a baseball bat. Oh it's yes, like, yes, that's right. Because he didn't want he wanted to he wanted to fight the killer, and didn't want her to be in in harm's way at all. So rather than having her try to run away, and I yeah, believe he, yes, yes, and they have that terrible fight scene. Um, right, he goes after uh, he goes after the killer with his baseball bat. The killer immediately disarms him, <laughs> stabs him in the stabs him in the thigh. <laughs> yeah, stabs him in the thigh, like ties him up on the ground. He's about to uh, take his favorite axe to uh, to Ed Junior, and that's when Pam uh, kind of Pam, escapes. Yeah, Pam breaks out of the closet, throws one of the pyramid sinkers into the guy's temple, <laughs> and he just pulls it out of his temple like there's nothing going on. Um, she hits him over the head with something because he's unconscious. Because she grabs his battle axe. Yes, and. Uh, expertly cuts the tape that is holding Ed Jr.'s wrists and ankles without even going anywhere near cutting him with that. And of course, uh, they tie a tourniquet around Big Ed's, or not Big Ed, Ed Jr.'s uh, thigh because apparently they've hit the femoral artery, which if they had hit the femoral artery, he would have been dead. He would have been dead in seconds uh, after... Um, being stabbed like that in the in the femoral artery it does not take long for that to bleed out. And she helps him, gets over to the car, uh, slides him into the driver's seat, and he's like, oh, I can't drive. I've been stabbed. You need to drive. And so he slides over. She gets in the driver's seat. He's to have to dig out the keys out of his pocket. Hands her the keys with her with his bloody hands and everything. She tries to start the car. It won't start. Of course, of course. We have we already knew it wouldn't start. And she's pumping on the gas, trying to get it to start. Which it's an older car, so it probably didn't have fuel injection anyway. So sometimes pushing on the gas would actually start help start it, but she flooded it. So now, of course, it's definitely not going to start because she flooded the engine carburetor's got gas, you know, fuel in it, more fuel than it needs to, for it to start. She keeps trying, gives it a couple seconds, because they think that Big Ed is dead at this point. <laughs> and of course, while they're fumbling around with trying to get the car started and everything, they show Big Ed get up and walk out of the garage. Their situational awareness is really poor. Yes. Let's just say that. He walked right by the driver's window uh, and did not attack the car at all or anything like that. They while don't they're notice. trying to start the car. No, no, they did not notice at all. Finally, she start, you know, she she's like, oh, turn the headlights off. So she turns the headlights off and then turns them back on and then notices that Big Ed is gone. Yeah, he's suddenly not in the garage, on the floor of the garage anymore. And that's when he attacks. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's right. She she stabbed him with uh, like a fillet knife. She like yes. opened a drawer and immediately like pulled out what she knew was a fillet knife, which was in like this uh, 
it it was not an obvious fillet knife, and she stabbed him, and and yeah, and that's when he they thought he died. Again, that that that's when she grabbed the battle yep. axe and cut the the tape off of Ed Junior's hands and feet. So eventually, of course, uh, they see the police start to pull up because the cop who was decapitated earlier in the film had not checked back in. He had radioed in that he was checking it out, had not radioed back in. So now they've rallied the troops. They have two cop cars pull up there. They finally get the car started. And Big Ed is like climbing up, is behind the car. Cops are saying, you know, hey, you know, stop, stop, stop. And Pam at this point decides she's going to throw the car in reverse and slams him into a brick wall. (laughs) And at this point, you see the cops, you know, kind of come over and they're like, hey, you know, pull forward. So they pull (laughs) forward and Big Ed is split in two. Yeah, the, from the at, uh, at about point. the belly button, <laughs> he's severed at the belly button essentially, and they're kind of what's going. You know, that's when Ed Junior, right before Pam throws the car in reverse to put to to ram him into the wall, that's when Ed Junior looks. He's like, "That's my dad." Jesus, Jesus Christ, it's my dad. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, then Pam throws the car in reverse, slams him into the wall, splits him in two. The cop says, pull forward, which Pam does, pulls forward, you know, five feet or whatever. So uh, the two halves of Big Ed's body drop to the ground. I I guess the cop is going to uh, render aid or investigate? Yeah, he's he's definitely investigating what's going on. And suddenly, yeah, Big Ed decides he's going to get his one last revenge, and he kneecaps the cop he cuts him off at the knee still with his trust his favorite axe yes he's just a torso at this point he's just an up his upper body has enough strength and hatred to uh take his favorite axe through the leg of the cop and then maniacally laugh and then yeah. die dies laughing on the ground and that's the end of the movie and then it goes back into playing fall break <laughs> like we just again like an 80s sitcom i did pull it up if people want to hear what we're talking about uh you can go to youtube and search for fall break by peter yellen y-e-l-l-e-n and you can hear just how like 80s sitcom this is it's which like, is so out of place after like someone's been ripped in half at the belly button and then just <laughs> chops the limb off a cop You've you've just watched eight people get murdered in this movie, uh, fairly graphically. I mean, you got an outboard motor, you got the uterine gaff, you got, um, you know, the only one that actually like didn't die a super violent death was Linda. Yeah, she just was drowned, and like that was kind of kind of disappointing. Uh, you know, uh, you know, so like. The second death of the movie is just kind of like, well, that was kind of lame. You know, this is supposed to be, this movie's called The Mutilator. <laughs> and she was not mutilated. Yeah. 
there are a lot of problems with this. Yeah, it, it's it's completely out of place. They go to that song, which is like just so 80s cheesy sitcom. It's like the lyrics are like comic books and no homework. We're on fall break, fall break. <laughs> it, it would be like ending Friday the 13th with a Facts of Life theme song. Yes, exactly. But it's. It's out of place. It's ridiculous. Uh, it, you take it, the good, you take the bad, you'll all get stabbed. That's the facts of life. <laughs> and, it, it, and that it really encapsulates the ridiculousness of that entire film. Like the acting was terrible. All of it. Every single character. The characters were annoying. Yep. Their logic was uh, stupid and made no sense, which I guess is kind of standard for horror movies. But this 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 was an extreme like I said, I had to I had to stop watching periodically just because the characters were so annoying. Uh, I had the usual tropes like teens trying to get laid, which kind of led to their death over and over. They didn't even get laid, though, which was depressing. <laughs> they were yeah. close. Yeah, the Mike, and, Mike and Linda were the closest. Were, yeah, the hornier they were, the sooner they died. So they kind of stuck to that trope. Um, even big, big Ed, uh, Ed Junior's dad as the villain, maybe the lamest villain ever. He was just like a drunk sleeping it off in the garage, and when he'd wake up, he'd kill the kids, and then he'd go back to sleeping off his hangover. Like he needed a mask. Why? Again, like like I, I kind of brought this up a little bit earlier, but why did they leave the garage door open? Like. If they would have closed and locked the garage door, none of them would have died. Exactly. Exactly. It was one of those garages that has, like, the only entrance in and out was uh, through the giant garage door. If they had just been, you know, worried about uh, Ed's dad's property and locked the garage door, he couldn't have gone out. He just would have slept in the garage closet. <laughs> yeah. But he, and he, he should have had a mask. Like, at no point was I... Uh, shocked that it was Ed's Ed's dad, right? Right. I mean, you kind of got well. You got you got a pretty good glimpse because it was always the same person playing Big Ed, even though it was fifteen yes. years later. So I mean, you had you had a pretty good idea if you could actually like you know once you actually saw the character doing the killing that it was his dad. So it was no real shock. The only person that was shocked that it was Big Ed was Ed Jr., but that was yes. because he never saw him. But the audience was never shocked that it was his dad. Right, right. They they did a really poor job of kind of that one scene in the beginning where like, oh, the, the door to the, the cabin's open. You know, I wonder who's been in here. I think they tried to deflect you there, but it, they they failed completely. Like I, I knew it was his dad from the very beginning. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. And 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 on that note, like Ed Junior is really un unsympathetic to his dad. Like throughout this movie, Ed Junior kind of makes fun of him frequently for being a drunk. It's like, well, you you shot his wife. <laughs> But which but apparently he, you you have no uh, uh, you know bad feelings about you've moved on, but your dad has become an alcoholic since then, and you just gotta mock him the entire film. Well, he might he might have been an alcoholic before that though too. So I mean, there there could have been some serious uh, 
issues before he accidentally shot his mom as well. That's not yeah. nothing of that is covered in there. But yes, from what you see, Ed Jr. is a fucking asshole. Right. He's just completely getting on with his life after accidentally killing his mom. And it uh, his dad's kind of been in a downward spiral ever since. And Ed Jr. just takes every opportunity to remind his friends that his dad is like a like an unraveling drunk. Yes, and also like a, a, a trophy hunter. Yeah. Like, like a guy you wouldn't want to be your enemy is your enemy. Right. He likes alcohol and killing things. But but apparently though, too, like why I, I, again, it's not really explained, I mean, other than the fact that he's uh, apparently gone mentally unstable or whatever. But, I mean, they show him dreaming of killing Ed Jr. In in those dreams, you know, he slit his throat with a battle axe, like, just... Uh, yeah. But there was zero reason for him to target anybody but Ed Jr. Right. Right, you, he he clearly wants to kill Ed Jr. because he has those dreams. Yeah, so I, I agree. I don't know why he just starts randomly killing Ed's friends. You're friends with my asshole of a son, so I'm going to kill you too. Yes. But it was, anyway. Uh, it was absurd all the way around. Yes, yes. Not not a, not a one of the finest films of the 80s, um, but definitely not the worst of, of them either. Oh, yeah, and like uh, like I said earlier, no one else in this cast has really done anything. Although uh, the main character Ed Junior was uh, apparently a regular in the uh, the Pokemon cartoon. Oh, really? From like ninety seven to two thousand six, he was in a, like seventeen po- episodes of Pokemon. Voice actor. I mean, yeah. I could I could see I could see that. Right. So, uh, good for him. I'd say that was the highlight of his career. It certainly wasn't the mutilator. I, I would have not been surprised if he'd be caught on to be a soap opera actor, though, either. Yeah, with that that acting. <sighs> well, should we... Let's bury the mutilator, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we've already... Yeah, let's mutilate the mutilator here, so... Move on from there. Uh... Let's do our weekly catch-up on life. Any news? Uh, no. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely uh, past COVID. Um, I, I haven't Bravo. had any issues with, with that beyond um, the what was described last week. I had a sore throat for a couple of days. I had a, I still got a random cough, but nothing like... It's not even an actual like coughing fit or anything like that. Every once in a while, I'll cough once, and and I'll, you know, and I'm good for several hours after that. Um, I did nothing this weekend other than makes a, a gigantic batch of barbecue chicken, which was not really intended to be as I didn't think there was going to be as much as there was. Um, hell yeah, man. And, uh, so my meal prep for the week, I made barbecue chicken, which I grabbed a pack of, I grabbed a pack of chicken breasts and 
threw them in the slow cooker, threw barbecue sauce in there, and then once whoa, they whoa, were whoa. Done, save save the recipe for the Patreon, man. <laughs> that's for that's for our paying listeners. <laughs> well, then nobody's ever gonna find out about that. <laughs> well, we can dream. If if you want to sponsor our podcast, I will release my meal prep recipes. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Revenue streams. But uh, yeah, it ended up being way more than what I thought it would be. So I have that for all of this next, all of this week that we're on here. So being it only Tuesday already, I still got like three or four days left of of a lot of barbecue chicken. Um, I'm gonna have to probably be a little bit creative as far as what I do to go along with that barbecue chicken. But that's really uh, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, beyond that, no, I don't really have anything, uh, exciting or fun coming up, uh, for the next several months that I know of yet. I know you were, uh, at Dave Attell on Friday night, or you were, you asked if I wanted to go and I said it was <laughs> way too late, um, for, for yes. me being as old as I am, um, to go to a 930 comedy show. I went with uh, I went to Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis. My brother, my girlfriend, and my dad. We went and saw Dave Attell. It was my first time ever at Acme, which man, that's a cool that's a cool building. And it was a great show. Dave Attell. He's he's looking old, but he's still got it. I saw Dave Attell. I think in either '06 or '08. No, I think it would have been like 2008, 2008 or 2009 at. Uh, Pantages Theater downtown Minneapolis, and he was absolutely brilliant uh, that night too. Yeah, he was fantastic, as you would expect. Everybody, everybody would expect that. Uh, I do like to promote unknown guys. His feature act was named Ian Fidance, F I D A N C E. He was fantastic too, man. That guy crushed it. Those two together were 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 great. And actually, uh, at the end of the show, Dave Attell invited Ian on stage and they did kind of a uh, a back and forth roast thing like like Dave Attell I think he did a whole tour like that with uh, with Jeffrey Ross for a while yeah I think I did yeah I think I did see something like that oh quite a while ago yeah and it was it was it was just like that it was pretty funny they they just trashed each other and Dave certainly won but uh Ian Fidance got some good lines in there so so it was a good show all around we watched a group of eight people get kicked out of the venue within 10 minutes of the show starting they were so trashed oh geez (laughs) yes yes one lady and again it's every comics nightmare i can attest to this but one drunk lady was responding to everything the host said which just it ruins the whole show it throws you off your timing so uh Within a minute of that, one of the staff members came up to her and said, look, you got to stop talking. Uh, that table tried to order more drinks. And the sure. manager said, no, you are cut off the entire rest of the show. They started, like, talking angrily amongst themselves and, like, giving staff the evil eye. So the staff just said, your whole group's out of here. You're gone. <laughs> Which... I, I don't I don't blame them at all. It was, it's, it's the smart move. It's a preemptive strike. Like once they're not having fun, 
the only option is that for them to complain silently or to complain loudly. And you just get them out at that point because all they're going to do is be a disruption. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I'm actually looking at the House of Comedy uh, website right now. And uh, Jay Moore is going to be at the house at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy uh, at the beginning of May. Okay. He's funny. He is absolutely hilarious. Um that's all I've seen so far. Rosebud Baker is coming there too. And she uh I watched a good documentary about her. Well, it was about new comics kind of reaching that next level on uh on Amazon. And she was really good on that show. And it uh she's gotten to the point where she's a solid headliner too. Okay, yep, yep. I see her there at the end of June. She's doing yeah, four days there at the end of June. Since we're talking comedy, did you hear? Uh, I don't want to tip our hand as to what day we record this, but did you hear Gilbert Godfrey died today? I did hear that. That makes me kind of sad. Um, yeah, yeah. I never, I never saw him do well just a stand-up special on his own, but he was, he was always one of the best on uh, Comedy Central roasts. Yes. And the Problem Child movies. Yep. <laughs> USA Up All Night. <laughs> USA Up All Night. One of my favorites, young people. Back in my day, that's what you had to do to almost see boobs. You couldn't even see boobs. You could just see cleavage, and your only option was USA Up All Night with Gilbert Gottfried. Yes, and every once in a while they brought in Elvira to host something, like, you know, uh, well, similar lines of that. Um, did you see the uh, World Series of Comedy that's showing up at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy as well? No. Is that uh, so a, uh, a group World, of comedians or something else? World Series of Comedy is a stand-up comedy event for comedians of all levels. It starts with week-long satellite contests all around the U.S. and Canada throughout the year, culminating in a comedy festival you call the main event in September. Festival includes 101 qualifying comedians competing in the main event, as well as an entire week of comedy seminars and social and networking events for comics, comedy club managers, and bookers from the U.S. and Canada. So basically, it, it's yeah, it, it's almost like your one line one liner competition sure. that you did, um, where you're trying to basically make it to the to the main event on that. So that's coming up. That's June 8th through i believe the 8th through the 11th yeah which uh i guess is a wednesday wednesday through saturday kind of thing they've got six shows two uh one each on uh wednesday thursday then two each on friday and saturday okay but it seems like it's actually like a almost like an open mic kind of thing so anybody can yeah maybe i'll feel uh, confident enough to enter then so I don't know who Drew Dunn, Maddie Smith, Sophie Buttle. Don't know who any of those guys are. Steve Trevino. I don't know who Steve Trevino is. But that's coming out through July. So, oh, T.J. Miller's coming back in August. They're also doing a funniest person with a day job contest, and I have a I have a friend who's in that. I think the first night is tonight. So. uh Yep, yep, I did see that. You guys, you guys want to come down for TJ Miller? Oh, that guy's that guy's funny. Yeah, TJ Miller's funny. 
35 bucks only. When so is he? This, August, you said? August, yeah, August 5th and 6th. Okay. Which is a Friday, Saturday. Deal, so 35 bucks for a ticket or 70 bucks for dinner and the show. Sure. So that's something we can, yeah, that's something we can discuss uh, more later yeah, on, too. I love going to see comedians. If we did, if we did the Friday show, Friday is at seven thirty or nine forty-five, which is nine forty-five isn't that bad. Isn't that bad at <laughs> at at the Mall of America? It's not bad for me because that's only like a like a twenty-minute drive home, fifteen twenty minutes to drive home, where downtown Minneapolis is like 35, 40 minutes. So. Come on, old man. My dad made it. He's like 60, 66. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you understand that I was like, after getting up at 530 and then working all day and then by the time I actually get downtown and get to Acme and everything, I mean... Like it's just a that's a long day. Sure, that's a that. long day. I'm sure he napped all day. He's retired. I I would I would have to I would have to train my body and my mind to do something like that. Although so. he took a he took a part time job at uh I think UPS. So he he I'm sure he got a good night's sleep, but he went to work until 9 p.m. <laughs> at UPS uh, moving packages, and then he came over and watched Dave Attell. So I was pretty proud of him. He almost he almost couldn't make it. Yeah. And and if if I if I had known in advance, I could have put some training time into it, staying up a little bit later. But think did you was it the day before that you messaged me about yeah. it? I, I think it was. Yep. So like that that that's where that's where the issue comes in. Yeah. And it's just I gotta I gotta prep for these things <laughs> sure i get it because i'm old and i don't go anywhere like the day you messaged me i hadn't left the house until that morning from when i got back from chicago so like i had well i mean again also i ha had covid so i'm not supposed to go anywhere but I had groceries delivered, you know, and stuff like that. So I didn't go anywhere for 10 <laughs> days. It sounds like your COVID wasn't too bad, though. Would you say it's like the flu or a cold? Uh, mine was more like a cold, but I know uh, my friends that were on the same trip that would have been exposed to most likely the same people that I got it from were not as lucky as I was. Yeah. I mean, like the worst that I had was a sore throat for two days. Like that, that was the worst. And like we got back Monday and uh, the guy that I, the guy that the first one of us that tested positive uh, Monday was saying that his throat hurt uh, on the way home after we stopped to get lunch. And by the time that I dropped him off 
my throat was kind of starting to hurt at that point. So like all of like the second half of Monday, all of Tuesday and all of Wednesday, my throat was just like just raw and just killing. And then I woke up Thursday morning and my sore throat was gone. And, well, and that good. was it. Uh, it's seems to get about one percent of people pretty bad, and so at least you weren't in that category. Thank Christ, I wasn't in that category. That would have been that was not have been fun. I mean, I didn't miss any work. Um, you Don't know, want not, you to miss not, the podcast. No missing the podcast. I mean, I probably would have done that. Like I did that with a sore throat. Right. <laughs> and then last week when I was saying, you know, like I was having a little bit of a little bit more of, of the uh, coughing issues yet, but I did not. I, I think I think I only broke once uh, during during the time that we were uh, talking last week about that with some cough with a little bit of a little bit of a cough. Um, but since then, yeah, no, I have not had any issues at all. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty much just have done nothing but stay home, but that's been kind of the whole common thing with the last two and a half years. Um, well, I guess I've been working from home for two years now, so I would say two years has been a little bit tough to drag me out of the house. Well, I'll try to give you a more advanced notice next time. All right. Well, I mean, if if we want to go see Jay Moore or or TJ Miller or anything like that, I I, I can I can go with that I, as long as I know something like that's coming up. Yes, then I, then I'm I'm good. But sure. Yeah. When I'm thinking, hey, it's Friday night, I can go to sleep early and sleep in on Saturday, which I never do anyway. That's kind of where my mind goes, though. Well, I don't know. You got anything else? I do not have anything else. Uh, oh, yeah. We do have to uh, let you know that for next week, we will be watching The oh, yeah. Unnameable from 1988, starring nobody you've ever heard of. Also um, on Tubi. We're big Tubi fans. Yes, also on Tubi. Thank you very much, Tubi, for being so awesome with having these horror movies for us to watch. Uh, we're still waiting on you to call us for a sponsorship. Uh, we do not charge as much as Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, but uh, we can give you almost the same audience that that they gave you with the that they gave you with the NFL for Fox. Um, if you want us to promote some weird cartoon, uh, we will certainly do that. We will promote your app. Um, We'll do whatever you, you guys need us to do uh, if, if you want, decide you want to sponsor us. Yeah, I feel like we've uh, directed five or six people. Five or six people to watch Tubi shows. I know my brother said he watched one. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't like The Killer Eye, but it might have been. <laughs> Bigfoot's Bride. Yeah, we're, we're getting clicks on your commercials, Tubi. And so just so everybody knows, Tubi's free. Tubi's free. You just have to watch commercials. So, uh, yep. Join in on a little fun. And and if you enter in the code BND podcast, um, it's still free, but they might actually notice that they're getting people directed to their app from us. Yes, just and let us. They might come back and give us some kickback. 
Yes. We gotta get we gotta get promo codes going. I mean, we haven't even got a raid Shadow Legends sponsorship yet. So I mean that that shows how that shows how little uh all right. Well I, I guess yeah, this next week maybe we'll do maybe I'll I'll work more on promoting some more of this actually get it on more platforms than just on Spotify and Anchor itself. We're biding our time. I'm trying to give a good backlog for people to listen to. Once we do, like, when when we get approved by iTunes and, and, and all of a sudden we're putting up, like, 60 podcasts, that's what people are going to do for the next two months. Right, exactly. You can't start uh, crushing promotions when we've got, you know, four episodes out there. Yeah. I mean, this is this is 15. We're getting close. Episode 15. Right. So uh, I guess uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to uh, episode 15 of Beauty and the Geest. We'll be back next week, as always. I am uh, one of your two illustrious co-hosts, Patrick Geest, along with... That leaves, I guess, me being the beauty of this podcast. So I am Scott, also known as Scott the Beauty, or just the beauty, or whatever you want to call me. I don't really care. We'll see you next time, folks. We'll see you next time with the unnameable.